Welcome here. My name is Wendy Park, um, and my husband here is Harold, and together we run a new organization called Forever Families of Canada, which we kind of went on this journey in 2013 when we got wrecked for what we were already doing, and we loved what we were doing, and God called us to start a new ministry um, in the area of child welfare. And so the three areas that we work on is connecting. We are kind of relationship brokers. Anybody that does anything with child welfare, we like to be their friends, even those that don't like us. And so <laughs> we have those meetings, we have those coffees, we have those. Uh, we show up at these things that have child welfare related. And and it started in 2013 when we did do traveling and just learning to see where does God want us to to be. And he he led us very clearly to start this organization that has there's none like it in Canada. Um, to to connect the dots um, across Canada to, in the area of child welfare. Particularly, our heart is for the church. And that is the sole reason that we exist, is to connect and then equip and mobilize the church in child welfare, to um, be in those places, to, to care for vulnerable children and their families. Uh, we aren't the the organization, the parachurch organization that we want your communities to outsource your child welfare to us. When we get those calls, which we often is the first entry point saying, hey, we've got this crisis, it's overwhelming for our church, can we send them to you? We, Of course we want to resource you well, but often we'll, we'll turn the, the table around and say, you know what, but we want to equip you. You are there day in and day out. We want to equip the church. It's all about the local church because we believe that the local church is the hope for the world. And God has placed us in so many different places to be able to respond to it. And sometimes we just need that that uh, connection to the right people, connection to the right resources, and um, and be equipped to do that. Wow, it all of a sudden became quiet. That's awesome. So um, in our process of discovering um, what our role as Forever Families is to be, um, we came out across some key discoveries that helped shape the way that we... Um, why we do what we do and some of the key discoveries which I have in your notes um, we won't go through it in great great detail but one is that Canada profoundly struggles with relational poverty it's not just that we could have started a foundation become good friends with a few millionaires and just like wipe eradicate child welfare it's so much more than a, a a funding issue, so much more than a we need more people issue. It's a relational issue at the heart of everything. And uh, before just the the typical um, poverty that we often think of, underlying that is usually a deep root of relational poverty, a disconnect um, from community which also affects the church. Um, another thing that we've discovered is child welfare is on a continuum. It doesn't just it's not just adoption. It's not just foster care. It's not just for those kids that age out of care. It's not even just in the prevention of uh, families going into foster care. It's a continuum. We all have crisis. We all have ebbs and flows. It happens within the church. It happens outside the church. We are all one crisis away from being affected profoundly and personally in our own relationships to be involved in child welfare, whether we've done something or we haven't. It can affect us all. And so this isn't something that we're just thinking, how can we parachute in there and, and help those out there? We are all on this continuum. We are all people of relationships, and we are all related. If you have a belly button, you're related to somebody. And so there's a story behind you, and there's a lineage behind you that makes this a very personal thing and not just something out there. 
And so we're all on that continuum. And number three, churches are fearful of child welfare. It's a, there's a huge fear factor involved. And I know one leader said to me, you know, Wendy, what you're doing is very, you're asking the church to do some very risky things to get involved in child welfare. And it is. We all know of a family that has been gone through wreck havoc <laughs> through child welfare and things not been dealt with fairly and, and children that have been bounced from home to home and it is very risky stuff to get involved but at the end of the day God doesn't say well done church you played it safe mm-hmm. and you had really good worship team even though that is important we want to do all those things unto the glory of God but God is a God of compassion God is a God for the vulnerable and a God of inclusion and we are called Jesus was called to earth to get into the trenches and to get messy and to get into the lives of people and um, Christians who care for the vulnerable children often feel isolated. Those that are involved, maybe in frontline ministries or, or maybe in fostering or adoption, or maybe they're struggling with a child with FASD in their own home and there's shame about having um, alcohol addictions and not being able to go to the church for help. Um, people that are affected by child welfare in a profound way, they're often very isolated even within the church. Um, there's comments like well that's why I would never sign up for foster care or boy I'm glad I had my own children Um, that's not my thing rather than seeing us all as the body of Christ and we're all a family and so there's a lot of isolation within the church um, and also outside of the church Um, if everybody had one caring person that just cried for them that was there for them there would be a lot less children in care there would be a lot less families grieving the loss of their children um, because there is community around them but their village is very small if any and number five Canadian churches have a limited theological foundation for understanding um, family and social justice concerns and um, it leads to humanistic and colonial acts of service. So it's a, it's a do-good thing. It's like once and done. Um, it's not necessarily that you are my sister. You're not just like my sister. And so our behavior will look different. If you're struggling, I'll be there too to cry with you. And if you are um, going through a, a challenge, I'll connect you to the right resource because it's not just your thing. It's our thing. We're family, right? And so... Um, yeah, so, but we have a limited theological understanding and, and we want to just do good. So we'll do good and, and sometimes doing good um, can be very damaging too if we are not informed in it and don't have a theological basis. For example, we might throw thousands and thousands of dollars into creating a new um, orphanage. And what wrong could be an orphanage, right? We're helping the children the most vulnerable. But God didn't call us to create an institution to pour money, parachute money into an institution, God sets the lonely in families and so how are we doing that and what is our theological reasoning for what we do and why we do it and who is our understanding of God and how we know God as our Abba Father as we get closer to him is how we will also behave and so sometimes we have to go back to our roots and say you know what, it's not just helping certain people that look like a certain way, that have certain belief systems. God is a God of inclusion. God is a God for all nations. And how are we doing that effectively? So it, so that is something that we've noticed as well. And lastly, people do. They really do want to care. 
I haven't met anybody in, in churches across Canada that said, yeah, just throw them into the Nile. Not at all. People do have compassion. But sometimes we just don't know how. Sometimes we just don't know how to care for that situation that's so foreign from us. How do I relate to the person that comes to my door that has gone through 54 different foster homes? How do I relate to the person that, that mom that just lost her children? How do I relate to um, trauma if I've come through a very long line of blessed lineage? How do I relate to those things? We just don't know. Um, and so that's often the case. It's not because we're, we're like totally off the mark. So I did something here that we, I like organizational development and, and I do SWOT analysis sometimes and stuff. And this is just a, a brief overview. It's obviously not comprehensive. We could do probably this, this workshop in two days and I'm condensing it in 20 minutes. So, so bear with me. If you have questions, I'd gladly uh, talk with you after. Hopefully we'll have time to ask them. You can also go onto our website, learn a little bit more about us. But this kind of gives it into a nutshell. Some of the strengths of the Canadian church, um, because that's our area of focus, is that we already have a biblical framework for community. It's not a new invention. We don't have to think, hmm, how are we going to do this? God left us here on our own, and now we've got to figure this out. It's, it's an age, like a timeless principle. God created the, the people of God. If you will be my people, <laughs> we are his people. And we are created for community, not to be an institution, but to be of the community of, and the family of God. And so we already have a biblical framework for community um, that is just perfect for people that are marginalized, that is perfect for, for people that don't have any belonging. God created the church. You and I are here, unless any of you are direct descendants with a Jew. Uh, we are here because God included us um, into the family of God. And that's kind of a family trait that we have. So we're ready to go if we are true to who the church should be um, for these people. And we are resource rich. We've got doctors, we've got teachers, we've got resources, we've got tithes, we've got buildings, we, we have the heart, we have so many things uh, going for us. We are resource rich to a world that is hurting. And we're everywhere. God just puts us everywhere. There's like 24,000 churches across Canada. There's 30,000 children waiting to go into homes for every families. If one church, every, every church took one child, then we would have a waiting list pretty soon um, for, for children needing homes. Um, and so there's, we are everywhere. We are in every community. You don't need a parachurch. You don't need forever families to, to solve child welfare. Um, Three things that God put on our hearts when we started this, when we quit our jobs to do this, is that God desired a movement, a movement in Canada, uh, specifically in the area of child welfare and the church. He wanted to awaken the church to to care for the vulnerable. And there's so much need. And, and I, I said, God, but that's a huge undertaking. How do we even begin? How do we begin to work with the church and get them involved in this in child welfare? There seems to be a huge chasm here. And there's reasons for that because historically we've had our hands slapped. We've had residential schools put on our name. We've got uh, mistrust put on our name. We have abuse allegations. We have so many things that keep us so distant from the situation often. 
But God desired a movement. And one thing that we learned is that God cannot be trumped. Nothing is lost on him. It's not too big for him, the, the crisis in Canada. God is on the move. And we are seeing it. We get the front row seat as, as we've been traveling and listening and connecting. We are seeing God's hand at work. And God has been opening doors into government. God has been opening doors. And I'm not just saying, knock, 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 and finally they let us in and we're, we've got something for you. No, they've been inviting us and they say, will you? It's almost easier, I'll say this, it's almost easier um, to work on that side because they see the need for the church than it is to work with the church saying, you what? You want me to get involved? <laughs> and so, so it's almost, it surprised us, but there's been such opportunity, even though we are Christian, even though we have a bad name, and, and there's a lot of need to, to repair and create a new narrative of who the church is. Um, and so, I'm going to go on to greatest weaknesses. Some of the things that we have is self-sustainability. We're looking out for ourselves. Um, we're not necessarily going beyond our capacity. We're going within. We're stewarding what we have and not having a vision for what God has called us to, which always extends us beyond our comfort. And so there's a, a, an area of self-sustainability. Um, relational poverty, again, is a weakness uh, within the Canadian church and a disconnect from the crisis. And so we're, we're not necessarily directly affected by the, the most vulnerable. We're not... We see a stat and it is sobering, but we're not necessarily on like coffee terms with that situation, right? And we're not necessarily on Kleenex terms with that situation that breaks our heart. And, um, and that can be a weakness. And ignorance in theology and social issues and our history, just not knowing. We don't often know, we don't teach it in our churches of what's happened historically to, to our nation. Um, that we are all treaty people that we have a responsibility to be relational and restorers of hope and that we we have responsibilities in these areas historically. Um, We don't necessarily treat each other like brothers and sisters because we don't have a, a depth of understanding theologically. And the list could go on and on. It's not about the church is stupid. I love the church. If anything, this ministry has caused me to love and love the church more and more. Um, deeply, but it's also caused me to grieve more and more deeply. When I pray for the church, my heart breaks for her. Because I know that's not what God has called us to be. God has called us to be a God of inclusion, a God, uh, or a, a family of inclusion, uh, a place of refuge, a place of restoration. And yet we have so far to go. And, uh, but that's why God is awakening us, and that's why we're here. Um, some greatest opportunities for the Canadian church. TRC, Truth and Reconciliation. God is a God of truth. God is a God of reconciliation. If anybody should be championing this, it should be the church. Um, we need to get informed. These are great opportunities because this is sort of politics catching up with God. And so let's. we as a church need to get on board with this and wave that flag, not because we've got it, but because we've got God, who is truth, who is reconciliation. And without Christ, I, it's not that we can't do a lot of good politically and sociologically with, in our society with the TRC, but if the church is not ingrained in this and, and involved with it and humbling themselves and seeking God's face, how can there be healing in our land? 
2 Chronicles 7.14. We need to be engaged. It's a huge opportunity. They're already speaking theological terms for us, so there's not even a a big jump for us um, that we should be in the middle of those conversations in a humble way and learning. Um, a great opportunity is a child welfare crisis. Uh, our province alone is in the biggest crisis of all times. And uh, just over 10,000. It used to be 11, so there is some change happening this last year. But um, we have the highest child apprehension rates in North America. Uh, we're sitting on it right now in our neighborhoods. Um, it's, it's high. It, it's, it's big. Uh, the situations across Canada is sobering. The, the teen suicide rates and things of children in care. There's a lot of sobering facts that we get in contact with on a regular basis. But in that crisis, there's huge opportunities because now we're getting a lot of agencies and social workers and government and, and leaders and, and moms and dads and everybody that loves children. There's huge opportunities to give the church a chance. And we have a a redemptive opportunity for the church to create a new narrative of who the church is, that we are not the the child stealers, that we are the restorers of hope. Uh, We are not ones that will oppress the people, but we will lift them up and bring them to a place of righteousness. And so there's a huge opportunity with this crisis. And we are seeing it day in and day out. Uh, and Gateway here has been very good at jumping to, to the bump. <laughs> they have been responding. And I didn't share it in the last group, but maybe I'll share, share it here. I shared with, I was, I was invited to speak to the AGM meeting at the General Authorities of CFS over a lot of the agencies in our province. They invited me to speak, and this is God's opening the door. Um, and they asked, would you talk up to all our CEOs and all the, the head people and the minister families? Would you talk to them about partnerships? What does it look like to work with the church? And I'm like, yeah, sign me up. The church lady speaking to all these people. And this is God. And I gave an example, a few examples of the things that Gateway was actually doing. And how we are connecting with other churches too, not just Gateway. But I gave something close to home because this is our neighborhood. This is our backyard. And I'll, I'll, I'll just share this with you. And, and this is from the CEO of General Authorities over all of those agencies. Um, on behalf of everyone in General Authority, we want to thank you for taking the time to attend our 15th annual general meeting with the presentation of Forever Families. Your inspiring words about partnership you have created between your charity, child welfare, and so many local groups and faith-based organizations. She's talking to the church. I just can't say that. Um, Really showcase the unique connection we can have with our partners. It was truly moving to hear about the ways your organization has done so much for vulnerable children and families and to help many children who were awaiting adoption find safe and caring homes. Your networking abilities are truly inspiring, especially the example, and this is where the church comes in, and I give church the credit, of helping a new mother and baby find a unique housing situation it brought tears to my eyes and of many in our audience. Thank you as well for bringing the video care portal. This is another initiative that we're doing within um, child welfare in the church and, and Gateway is part of the pilot study that we also want to bring across to all the communities in Canada of connecting child welfare needs by social workers. We're not just creating a hot dog stand and saying, hey, you should come to us. We want to love you. They're saying, there are real needs in our community we can't reach out to. Can we connect them to the church in those neighborhoods? And so this is the care portal that she's talking about. If we have time, I'll show you a video. 
Thank you for introducing that to us and the concept to our audience. It's another example of the true meaning of collaboration and the fact that child welfare is really a community issue. (laughs) So if we didn't know that. It truly takes a community to keep children and families safe. Your organization is an important piece of helping this attitude become ingrained in our society. She's talking about the church. They want to work with the church. They just don't know how. Do we hear that saying somewhere else in our studies? Exactly. The church wants to work with these vulnerable. Sometimes we just don't know how. And sometimes we just got to put ourselves into the room together. So actually, that invitation that you have on your your table there, Belong Summit, isn't just another come sit through another session. Um, You don't get a gold star in heaven for coming. But what that is, is actually bringing all different spheres that we network with, inviting them into one room. And particularly, we're focusing on the church because we never shy away from our faith-based organization. We're here for the church. Government gets that. Indigenous communities get that. They need it. And um, they're, they're happy for it, that we're bringing the church on board. But we put people into the room and we say, what would it look like if we worked together? What would it look like if the church rose up? And we don't just talk about it. We get all these different people, organizations, people aging out of foster care, adoptees, parents, kukums, uh, indigenous grandmas, leaders, put them together and learn together and break bread together. And that's an invitation for you to be part of. And so anyway, that's just an example of... People want to connect with the church. We often think that, well, what, how are we going to help? There are opportunities like never before. When God calls, he will also make ways possible that we never thought would happen. And it is happening right now in real time. We've never seen this in history um, before. And um, there's some exciting things happening in Canada. And those things don't always get into the media. You always hear the tragic stories. But behind this all, God is on the move. He desires a movement. And uh, he will show us, his people, what it is. And we each have a unique piece in the child welfare puzzle. And that's why the Belong Summit has the little puzzle piece. It's about, you don't look the same as you, and you don't act the same as you. You don't have the same gifts and abilities I do. But if we were really all in our sweet spot, if we understood who we are, and that goes into the next section of what's my piece, Um, if we truly understand who we are in Christ and we just live that out and just be the best person that you can be in that and you pursue God, God will show you what to do and he will make your burden light. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's not easy, but he will make it light. Mm -hmm. It's not our job as a church to fix child welfare, but it is our job to be salt and light. Um, and it's not very helpful if we stay in the salt shaker or just have holy huddles of light bulbs. Um, we need to be out there and be salty in life. <laughs> um, and there's huge opportunities. And we have the freedom to do that. And so there's certain things that will threaten that. Certainly. There will be opposition. Spiritual opposition like I've never seen before. Do you think the enemy loves it that we're, we're immobilizing the churches? And do you think the enemy loves it that children are being restored and families are being restored? Uh-uh. Historically speaking, that's never been a good news thing on, in hell. You know, like they just don't like it. Um, and so, but we as a church, we have a force way greater than ourselves. It's the Holy Spirit and um, God is with us. Um, but there are certainly threats. If you're going to get into this field, um, you're with Youth for Christ. When you're working on the front lines, there's threats to, to what you do, right? 
And wouldn't it be wonderful if it wasn't just his thing, but the church wrapped around him like that's their ministry and supported him and prayerfully and financially and, and said, you know what, we're going to do this together. Um, it's not easy um, to be involved. There will be threats. But, for example, one of the, the most probably very sneaky threats that we don't see as a threat in the church is the, the first one there, competing preoccupations. We don't even know that we're silenced. We don't even know that we're being paralyzed as a church um, because we're busy. We're, we're, we're doing church. And there's a lot of good church things. I don't bash those things at all. But it, sometimes it can become our preoccupation so that family pastors and children's pastors and, and whatever, they're, they're busy creating curriculum, but they're not necessarily ready for the FASD child or being trauma competent or, or being out in the streets with, where there's opportunities uh, we need more. So again, that goes back to our weakness, self-sustainability. We work with what we have. We don't we can't think beyond that because I'm like we would be way too taxed. And so we have to think on God's terms and vision for it, and look beyond ourselves. So competing preoccupations, but number two, um, socio-political mindset that it's the government's job. They should do a better job, or if only more organizations would would um, just tackle those things in the north end. Um, you know. Yeah, it's it's laughable, and yet so many times that's what we hear, that if only somebody, it's good for you, I'm so glad that you're doing that, I'm, I'm glad that there's people out there that's caring for child welfare. Well, child welfare is everybody's issue within the church. God is a God of inclusion, God is a God for the fatherless, he loves, he, I will almost say he favors them above anybody, the weak and the vulnerable, and so so should we. We should be, uh, our hearts should be broken for it. But it is a threat that the government should do a better job. It comes out in so many different ways. Um, number three, um, fear, again, of child welfare. We're fearful of diversity. We're fearful of conflict. We're fearful of what do we do with smudging? What do we do with powwows? What do we do with people that don't think like me? What do we do if people don't like me? <laughs> and yet, uh, again, we have to get over ourselves. Um, the flip side of fear is spiritual pride. So it's, it's uncomfortable to be fearful. So let's just go, let's just stay in a holy huddle. Let's just stay on this side. And let's do good. Let's be more pure. Let's be more holy. Let's be more uh, filled with the Spirit. And those are all good things. I'm not saying let's not. But we isolate we insulate ourselves into those experiences and we stay in the salt shaker we have our, our holy light bulb huddles and yet we're not out there in the, the reality of our neighborhoods and right now there's people living on the floors and in this neighborhood um, looking for a mattress I just got a call in close to Gateway South there's there's a 15 year old that just found out she's 38 weeks pregnant and uh, Nikki's working with me on that one. She just found out 38 weeks, and she's 15 and has nothing, and she's probably going to be induced in a week or two. And so there's not a lot of time. So could we as a church just write her a check and say, here, wish you well? Or is she going to need a little bit more than that? There's a relational poverty issue. And how did we find out about it? It's because we're in relationship with CFS. We're not badgering them and saying, oh, you guys should do a better job. They're reaching out to us and saying, will you have a church that would surround this young girl? (laughs) And these aren't even Christians that are asking for it. But underlying, whether you know Christ or not, 
I've already given up thinking maybe people don't think like this. I believe every single person made in the image of God is created for connection, who longs for connection and longs for belonging. Even the social worker that doesn't believe in Christ or have the time of day for church things, who is wounded by the church. I had somebody from the Ministry of Families in BC say after a presentation, she's like, man, I wish my church would have done something different because I was so turned off, I will never go into the church again. And then she started opening up, maybe there's a chance for the church. And so everybody is created for connection. Everybody is created for belonging. So you can already assume that. So it doesn't matter if your neighbor slams the door on you and say, what are you doing? I don't want anything to do with your religious person. You have to understand that they still long for belonging and connection. We just have to find out how and, and what our piece is in that. Any questions or comments or things that you would like to add? I love you. I love you too. So love is in the air. Anything else? So I want to just leave you with this encouragement to know your peace, to, to seek God. And, and we're I love Gateway. I love Salt and Light because we're all a people of hearing God. And God's voice can be trusted. It, it was trusted even when we had to quit our jobs to do this. It was the most crazy thing. But God can be trusted. Those words that he's implanted in you, don't, don't miss out. Because you're on the front row seat of something really great. It's something scary because it's beyond yourself. But God desires a movement. And also look at who is your neighbor. Not just the one sitting beside you in the pew, but who is, who is the single mom? Who is the, the social worker? Who is the politician? Who is the police officer? Anybody in your society, who is your neighbor and how do you love them? And what's your piece in that? And so I just want to challenge you. There's more questions there. I, I invite you to bring this into prayer because this isn't something that you can just like, now I've got the answer, I'm going this way. Wrestle it out with God, but he can be trusted. There's three steps that I want to leave you with as well. First of all, stop and relate. Let's let's kind of get off the crazy train. I know it's hard because I'm, I'm working on this myself. Get off the crazy train and take time for that coffee. Take time for the relationships right around you, right in your backyard. Um, and you'll be surprised what God is going to show you through that. Number two, educate yourself. You don't have to know it all. But that birth mom might have a lot to teach you. She might be your professor. See Christ in the homeless person. Work with the people around you, and they will have a lot to teach you. There's a lot of resources. Come talk to us if you want resources. That's what we do. Harold's, actually, that's his area of expertise. Um, Get yourself connected to the right things. Come to Belong Summit so you can do a blanket exercise and understand the history and how to be a church with the indigenous people. Get trauma-informed. That's also at the Belong Summit. Um, There's a lot of things we can do to educate ourselves so that we don't um, do harm in our attempt to do good. Um, And these are things that the, the society is asking of us. And get busy. Faith without works is dead and so God desires a movement he desires to activate us and don't be afraid to do something unusual um, it's, you're not going to be the first one in biblical history to do something unusual and to be stopped in your tracks to do something and God can be trusted in that and so we have a, 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 a convergent council
pathways, her Ustra. And so they're Christians, and she has come through. She was a 60-scoop survivor, and she has come through a time of healing. And they were very connected to TRC in the secular, but also worked with the Christians. So um, they do a really good job. The reason we chose them is, and there's probably others, but the reason we chose them is they have a grace-filled and a health, healthy, hope-filled way of working with churches. So we're not being badgered, and we're not being jumped into, like, going into a sweat lodge or things like that, they have a theological grounding in what they're doing. And so, um, so yeah, they, they field a lot of great questions. And in fact, some of the pastors uh, from Gateway have gone through it. Yeah. Were you part of it as well? Yeah, and your husband as well. And so um, it's, it's something, yeah, I don't know if you can ex- share your experience with that. Well, I, I mean... When you walk into something like that, you're a little bit unnerved, thinking, okay, is this going to, um, like, really go against everything we are as a, as a Christ follower? But they, even her, she was banging a drum. The first few sentences she said, she said, I'm not banging a drum to, to drum up some spiritual incantation. She, um, I can't remember how she said it, but she just put God right in the middle of it, and then I was like, oh... Okay, she's already laying the groundwork here that we can be faithful people and always exercise and not be concerned with what we're allowing in. So I thought it was really useful. Yeah, yeah I, I believe God can enter in every culture um, in a redemptive way. And it was really mine, it was opening because they went through history of um, oppression and explained what colonialism is, and we don't get that. No. We don't mm-hmm. get it, and I thought it was such a good, useful tool. Well, we and I've taken it with me, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's not fair to our churches. They won't know if they're not educated. But as leaders, we have responsibility. I'll just show you this. This is something that we're piloting right now in, in Manitoba with the government, this lady that was writing, um, and our church as well as four other churches, um, Trinity Baptist as well, who is part of us. So uh, we have some representation here. We're creating Canadian no model. every community in America, at any given moment, there are children and families in crisis that need our help. And God has given us this great opportunity, this platform called the Care Portal, that puts the needs of the hurting in your community right in front of you, so that you have an opportunity as a church and as an individual believer to say, I am here for you. There's never been in my lifetime anything that I've seen that I believe will revolutionize child welfare any more than the care for child welfare has gotten excited about it the churches are excited about it and guess what the families are being healed and helped because of it the church and the state while they have different roles are really caring for the same children and families and how much better it would be if the church and the state would work together to ensure that the children and families were safe, were protected, and had a supportive church community to wrap around them. There's a way to understand this and make it simple, and we call that way the grid. We talk about child welfare from prevention, keeping families together, or foster care, kids having been removed that need a temporary home, or adoption, they need a permanent home, or transition from being a 17, 18-year-old to becoming an adult. That is the spectrum of child welfare, and the church needs to get engaged across the entire spectrum. But the ways that we can engage vary from physical needs and investing in people 
to relational needs and walking with the hurting people, to family needs, becoming home for children who have no place to call home. The grid is a simple way to understand that the church is here to meet the needs of the broken within the child welfare system. And now there is an easy way for anyone to begin. Are you with receiving an email? The process starts with a child welfare worker logging into the care portal and entering the child's needs right into the system. Then, using GeoRadius technology, the care portal quickly sends an email with all the details to participating churches that want to help families right in their own backyard. Each church then makes their congregation aware of the need, and if a member steps up to help, the church contact responds back using the original email. The caseworker then connects the church with the child or family. It's so easy, and it's already working. See, there's nothing like going out to the field and having to, to deal with families and see families in the middle of crisis. And, and as a caseworker, you think, what if? Uh, somebody could step up and help this mom so I don't have to take the next step to bring that child into the system. What if? The portals connecting church with state with families. So I have the blessing of being able to see these requests that some are huge, some are small, but some are huge. Uh, come about and the church step in and say, we're going to handle this. We got this. There's just nothing like it. So when the church enters this arena, the church says to government that the shift of the culture and ownership is now with, a, with us being at the table to embrace these families in a real life situation. The biggest thing when it comes to getting various organizations and people to work together in this space is honestly just getting them in the same room together. We're not asking for the church to solve the foster care crisis in America. We're asking your church to be a part of solving the foster care crisis in your city. Jesus met physical needs all the time. He met emotional needs, and he met spiritual needs. And when we do that, when I do that, the most amazing thing happens. I am transformed. I am transformed into the likeness of Christ because I open my heart and my life to those who are in need. We have an opportunity for people to say, when I was hurt, it's the local church in the name of Jesus that came to help me. Now that is exactly what Jesus did. And that is exactly what he has asked us to do. Alright, that concludes it. If you have any questions, feel free to contact us. I encourage you to come to Belong Summit, not because... We need numbers. It's because we want churches um, and people like you guys in the trenches who are already doing it to be equipped and more connected into other opportunities and stuff. So there's some great opportunities there. So um, my contact information is there. If you have any questions, I'll be around. I am at another conference today as well, so I'm just piggybacking. But Harold will be here for the rest of the day, and I'll be here tonight. So if you want to, uh, one of us will be here.